1: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group, void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
0: This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision. And I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande. That's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of John Darwin? John Darwin was born in England on August 14, 1950. He studied biology and chemistry in college. He married a woman named Anne Stevenson on December 22, 1973. The couple would go on to have two sons. John would become a schoolteacher He would spend 18 years teaching science and math. He then worked at a bank for a while. After this, he worked as a prison guard. His wife, Anne, was a receptionist in a physician's office. In addition to their jobs, John and Anne operated a business where they would rent rooms to people. They owned 13 houses in the seaside resort town of Seton Carew. This is in northeast England on the North Sea. They had planned to be real estate millionaires, but they were not able to achieve this goal. The rent that they collected from the tenants was not enough to pay for the mortgages on the properties. This makes me wonder what kind of math John was teaching for 18 years. Concerned that he had no way to get out of debt, John started thinking about faking his own death. This way his wife could file an insurance claim. His wife agreed to the plan. She became a conspirator. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On March 21, 2002, John climbed in his canoe and paddled into the North Sea. A neighbor watched him as he paddled out. When John was far enough away to avoid being seen anymore, he paddled back to the shore and was picked up by his wife. She drove him to a train station, after which she returned home and reported him missing to the police the authorities conducted a search of the coastline and the sea at a cost of over 100,000 pounds. They did not find John, but they did find a double-ended paddle the next day near Seton Carew. Later that same day, they found John's canoe. The authorities reasoned that John had died, even though the conditions in the North Sea were not dangerous at that time. John applied for a passport using his real address but a fake name, John Jones. It may seem as though John wasn't going to win any prizes for originality, but the name John Jones was actually carefully selected. It belonged to a five-week-old child who had died in 1950, the same year John was born. This eliminated any problems as far as an age discrepancy. As far as the first name matching, John told the police that if he was walking down the street and somebody yelled the name John, He knew that he would turn around. This would potentially result in him being identified. Having the first names match was convenient. It would circumvent this problem. About a month after faking his own death, John moved back into his house. The Darwins owned the house adjacent to this as well. These were townhouses. John built a passageway from his house that connected to the attic of the house next to it. This passageway was hidden by a cabinet. When people would visit, John would simply walk through the passageway and hide in the attic of the other house. He also pretended to be a handyman on occasion. This way, he could be spotted on the property. John grew a beard and faked a limp in order to avoid being recognized. After a death certificate was issued in April 2003, Anne filed an insurance claim and was paid 250,000 pounds. She paid down the mortgages of the properties and started selling them. In 2003, one of Anne's tenants, named Lee Wadrup, encountered John. Lee was a little surprised because John looked non-dead. Lee asked him, aren't you supposed to be dead? John responded, don't tell anyone about this. Lee decided not to tell anyone, saying he did not want to get involved. John and his wife visited Cyprus and looked at some property there. They were thinking about moving there. Ultimately, the couple did not move to Cyprus. John stayed in his house and spent a lot of time online. He frequently played a role playing game. In 2005, he started communicating with a player named Kelly Steele from Kansas. It's not clear if this was ever supposed to be any type of romantic relationship. John eventually asked Kelly to be his business partner. They planned to buy a rundown farm in Kansas they were going to open an equestrian center, and they were going to buy cattle. John flew to the United States to meet Kelly, telling his wife that he needed a break. I suppose being dead could be pretty stressful. It didn't take long for Kelly to have concerns about John's behavior. After arriving in her house, she showed him to a bedroom that he could use. He started changing without closing the door. She took him to a nearby hotel Two and a half weeks later, she asked John to leave. His investment with Kelly had already occurred, so at this point they were business partners. John eventually demanded his money back from Kelly, but she had no way to pay it. John didn't take the news too well. He threatened to murder Kelly and to burn down her house. In November 2005, John traveled to visit a boat dealer in England. He tried to negotiate the purchase of a catamaran, But the sellers would not meet his demands. It appears as though his plan was to sail around the world on this catamaran. John and his wife visited Panama in July of 2006 as they were considering moving there. A real estate agent in Panama took their picture and posted it on the internet. Anne told the agent that John was her friend and partner. She never referred to him as her husband. They flew to Panama again in March 2007. They purchased a two-bedroom apartment for £50,000 using a new company and had formed. Two months later, they purchased property near the Panama Canal for about £200,000. Their intention was to build a hotel and rent canoes to people on vacation. Maybe they intended on offering something like the fake-your-own-death vacation getaway package. John would later say that the media invented the canoe rental story. He never intended to operate that business. As this was going on, a police investigation was initiated. One of Anne's friends heard a conversation between Anne and her husband. The friend thought that only people who were alive would talk on the phone. In October 2007, Anne sold her house in England for 295,000 pounds and moved to Panama. John returned to England In November of that same year, he would later claim he was missing his sons. John decided to visit the West End Central Police Station in London on December 1, 2007. About six months earlier, he realized that he might be in some trouble because of a change in the law in Panama. The country was now requiring a special visa for investors. This meant that John would have to get a letter from the police in England testifying to his good character. John knew that his alias would not survive that intense level of scrutiny, so he came up with this plan to pretend he had amnesia. After walking into the police station, he said, I think I might be a missing person. My name is John Darwin. He went on to say that he did not remember the last five years of his life. Reporters visited Anne in Panama. She pretended that she was shocked and overjoyed. By the discovery of her husband. She was glad to have him back. Her joyful feelings soon dissipated after a reporter showed her the photograph taken by the real estate agent in Panama in 2006. Anne flew back to England knowing that she would be arrested. She admitted to the police that John was the man in the photograph. John was promptly arrested and charged with obtaining life insurance money by deception and making untrue statements to obtain a passport and was arrested and charged with two counts of fraud. Additional charges would be added for both of them later on.
1: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. First-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule, history so interesting, it's criminal. On July 23, 2008, both John Darwin and his wife were convicted of fraud. John was sentenced to six years and three months in prison, and was sentenced to six years and six months. The couple divorced when they were in prison, John was released in January 2011 and was released two months later. In 2015, John moved to the Philippines and married a woman who is 23 years younger. In 2022, his wife claimed that John was going to fight in Ukraine. She said that he would have a bulletproof vest and good life insurance. She clarified the life insurance would be good for her. That's an important clarification, otherwise, people might think it's supernatural life insurance. It would somehow be paid to John after he was dead. She also implied that the Russian military should be fearful of John's combat capabilities. John did not end up traveling to Ukraine. I guess the Russian soldiers can once again feel safe. They will not have to face an enemy capable of faking death and stealing insurance money. Now moving to my analysis, here are a few items that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. John claimed that he returned to England because he missed his sons and wanted to repay all that insurance money. I guess that was just really bothering him having stolen hundreds of thousands of pounds. The first thing he did was walk into the police station and pretend he lost some of his memory, although he did eventually confess. It appears that John knew he was going to be arrested. That's why he returned to England and went to the police. Item number two, When John first reappeared in London, his sons were overjoyed. When they learned the whole story, they suggested that they did not want to see their parents ever again. So the fake death part kind of spoiled the reunion. One of the sons even testified against his mother at her trial. Both sons have since reconciled with their mother and have been on vacations with her. It appears as though one of John's sons has had contact with him, but the other has not. Moving to item number three, John appears to have a keen interest in multiple romantic relationships. Anne said that he cheated on her with at least two other women. When he was released from prison, he was rearrested after traveling to Ukraine to meet a younger woman. This was long before the story about him wanting to fight in Ukraine. His behavior after meeting his business partner in Kansas also looked suspicious, like he was taking off his clothing as part of some type of poorly planned advance. John told a reporter that women are his drug. Item number four, John appeared to have a number of grandiose plans. He wasn't going to let the fact that he faked his own death prevent him from living his dreams. John wanted to buy property in Cyprus. He wanted to run a ranch in Kansas. He dreamed about sailing around the world on a catamaran, and he wanted to build a tourist destination in Panama. The only thing that John needed to achieve his goals was to be legally alive and have money. Unfortunately for John, he was only able to meet one of these criteria at a time. Item number five, John appeared to think that he was smarter than everyone else. He was proud of himself for tricking the police. He even returned to living in the same house where he lived prior to his death. He made key mistakes, like allowing himself to be photographed, It was like he didn't believe it was possible that he could get caught. When he eventually accepted that he would be arrested, he went to the police station and said, I might be a missing person. As if the police would not be surprised by this and ask some difficult questions. Like the police were going to say to him, well, you're not missing now. Good to see you. Carry on. Item number six, John does not appear to be a particularly sophisticated criminal. How could someone who made so many mistakes get away with faking his own death as i talked about many times before when covering missing person cases it's very difficult to start a new life i think the secret for john was that he had the help of his wife this afforded john several advantages he had some place to live he had someone to perform errands for him which could reduce his exposure he had companionship he had someone who could sign legal documents like to start a new company and buy property, and he could monitor information about his case that his wife was receiving. Ann was the perfect conspirator. Nobody would be suspicious of her. Why would she conspire with her husband to fake his death? She had to lie to her sons for all those years. She had to watch them suffer, believing their father was dead. Few mothers would be willing to do that. Now moving to the last item, number seven, One of the major debates in this case is about who was more responsible for the crimes, John or Anne. Some people look at this case and think they are equally responsible. Others look and say it's definitely John, but some say no. Anne was the more serious offender. I think that John was probably more responsible. He appears to have narcissistic and psychopathic characteristics. He was grandiose, arrogant, callous, manipulative, lived in a fantasy world, and had difficulty establishing healthy relationships with women. He was willing to live a lie for all those years, and probably would have continued to deceive if he didn't realize the police were after him. In addition, it was John's idea to fake his death in the first place. There are many possible reasons Anne functioned as a conspirator other than financial gain. She felt trapped once John faked his death, like what was she going to do, It'd be difficult to change her story at that point. She trusted him a bit too much, she felt as though she needed him, or maybe his confidence and grandiosity activated her fantasies, like she joined with him in his dream world of being wealthy business owners in Panama. After all, the couple had originally wanted to be real estate millionaires. John was determined to keep the dream alive, and Anne was willing to risk everything to share in the fantasy. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa,
1: Vita Brevis. Step into the world of power, loyalty.